There once was a pastor who had a parrot. That was great, except the parrot would only say one phrase over and over again. The parrot would say, let's pray, let's pray. The pastor thought that was great, but he wouldn't say anything else. He was stuck on this one phrase. The pastor found out that there was a member of his congregation who also had a parrot that was also stuck. And that parrot always said just two words, let's kiss, let's kiss. The pastor thought, well, maybe if I uh, get these two parrots together, they'll break out of their, uh, uh, their, their, their mode of always saying the same thing all the time. And, and so he invited this member over with his parrot, and they put the parrots in the cage together. And uh, the, the, the member's parrot said, let's kiss, let's kiss. And the pastor's parrot said, praise the Lord, my prayers have been answered. <laughs> We've been talking for, for, for several weeks now about prayer. We've seen what prayer is not. We've learned that prayer is more about connecting with God than about getting what I want. I told you that God always answers prayer. It's just not always the way that we would want him to answer. We, we even dove into the realm of the supernatural a couple of weeks ago and talked about a prayer that, that changes things uh, on a supernatural uh, realm, even in, in, in ways that we cannot see, that there is power in prayer. And today I, I want us to just kind of get down where the rubber meets the road, practical uh, teaching, because I, I think we see that prayer can be this, this kind of nebulous thing that we might do or, or think about doing or say that we do more than we really do, and maybe, or maybe it's just what all the holy people do, and maybe I say that I'll pray for you, but uh, I, prayer is, is, is not only something that each of us should do, but we can really learn to do it well. Uh, we, we need to get specific and strategic in our, in our prayer lives. Have you ever gone to the store without a list? I have, you don't have to testify, I guess, out loud. Um, I tend to need a list if there's more than three items. So three items I can remember, four or more, gone, right? Well, the other day I, uh, needed, I knew there was one thing specifically that we needed from Walmart, so Nick and I uh, packed up in the, in the family truckster and headed on over to Walmart, and I knew there were some, several other things to get as well, and so we went through the store and, and bought stuff and got back home, and I'm emptying the, the bags, and I realized that we got a whole lot of stuff, but the one thing that started me going there in the first place was I had forgotten completely about uh, it, it could be that, that, that getting specific in your prayer life might be as simple as keeping a list. And many of you probably do that. Uh, I found myself, uh, though, saying, oh, I'll pray for you, or, I'll pray for that, or, or uh, wow, I should really remember, and then I don't write it down. Right? And we have so many resources these days to do that. You can keep it on your phone, you can jot it here, you can do whatever. But, but it could be that getting specific and strategic might just mean keep a list. Uh, Many of you probably, at, at times I have, and I've just started again uh, trying to keep a, a prayer journal, and uh, we write out, not only write out lists, but also uh, sometimes write out prayers, and it's powerful to go back at that uh, a week, a month, a year, uh, several years later, and come back and flip through and see what was going on and, and uh, what I prayed about and, and how God has come through. And, and so those things, uh, those things are important, and that can be part of getting specific and strategic. We get specific and strategic about a lot of things in life. We make plans and then we follow those plans, whether it's going to the store or cooking dinner, planning a vacation, building a house, and mowing the lawn. I, I, there's so many things. We, there's, there's a method to it, right? There's a plan and then we work the plan. 
Almost anything we do, we approach with a strategy of some type. And when we do, it makes a difference. You can tell the lawn that was mowed with a plan and the lawn that was mowed by my daughter. No, I mean by uh, without a plan. Strategy can make a difference in our prayer life, too, and I'm not sure that we think about that at times. Uh, of course, there's time to be spontaneous. We've talked about that uh, in, in past weeks. But, uh, but if, we, if we don't have a plan for prayer, we won't be as effective in our prayer life uh, as effective as we could. And we need to get specific. Uh, as I've said before, I think we, play, we pray uh, general, kind of generic prayers a lot of the time. I'm not sure all the reasons why, uh, why I do that, why I hear that a lot of the time. Uh, one reason could be that we're kind of letting ourselves or letting God off the hook, so to speak. If I pray specifically and it doesn't happen, then what do I do with that? So if I can just pray real general, then I can kind of say, well, God must have come through uh, it's real hard, though, for God to get glory from generic prayers. I, I mean, I, I can't really point to the hand of God at work with a prayer like, bless him, Jesus. Well, he must have blessed him. But it's not really it's a specific prayers point straight to God and give him glory. Here, here's a question. Uh, it, it got me. Maybe it'll get you. Uh, what would change in your prayer life? If I told you that every prayer you prayed this week, God was going to say yes to, would you get general or specific in your prayers? I know I'd get real specific, and I'd pray a lot more, too, probably, right? I'd pray specifically for things for myself, things for my wife, for my kids, for our church, for our community, for our world. I'd get real specific. Now, I can't promise you that God is going to say yes to all of your prayers this week, but he might. <laughs> He's going to answer. Get specific, get strategic in your prayer life and watch him work. How do we do that? What does that specifically look like? First of all, I, I think it's good for us to think about a structure in our prayer. You don't always have to do this. Maybe uh, me with my OCD tendencies, uh, probably uh, left brain kind of work it all out, uh, probably tend toward this. But, but I think it's good for us to have this general structure in our, in our heads because prayer usually turns into asking for stuff. If all of your conversations with the people that you knew um, were you asking them to do things for you, you probably wouldn't have those relationships very long because it's, it's all this, uh, give me this and do that. And yet that's how we treat God a lot of the time. Prayer has to involve more than just asking for things. You've probably seen, many of you uh, perhaps have seen these uh, acronyms and things uh, laying out what does, uh, what does a good prayer life look like or how, how do we think through that. Uh, one that I've kind of settled on that, that, uh, that, that helps me uh, goes by the word pray. So uh, P-R-A-Y stands for praise, repent, ask, and yield. It's just a simple four-step thing. It's not like I check it off a list or anything like that. But as you walk down through that, it, it gives a context to, uh, for, for our prayers. Notice that uh, praise, repent. Go ahead to that next slide there, Kevin. Uh, well, okay. Go ahead to the next slide, Kevin. There we go. Uh, praise, repent, ask, and yield. Notice that ask is still in there. Uh, but um, but it's it's in context with all these other things. Uh, this this is seen throughout Scripture. Philippians four uh, verses four and five uh, kind of help us here. It says, "Rejoice in the Lord always." I will say it again: Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests 
to God. So it starts with rejoicing. We need to praise God. We need to remember who he is and, and what he's like. It changes your prayer life when you remind yourself of who God is. Think about God's attributes, his character. Uh, what is God like? He's holy. He's righteous. He's powerful. He's, he's all-powerful. He's all-knowing. Uh, he's love. There, there are many names for God in Scripture, and, and, and you can start uh, walking through and rehearsing those and reminding yourself of, of, uh, of what those are. There are resources out there in the, on the table in the foyer, uh, and a couple of them have to do with this, that over the course of a month, it just reminds you of one of the attributes of God. And if you do that and, and, and have that as part of your prayer life, then, uh, then it, it kind of sets the context or the tone for your prayer. More than, God, do this for me now, it's, God, you are <laughs> beyond amazing. How could I possibly come to you? Uh, but, wow, humbly, I need this. And there, there's this context of, of praise uh, and gratitude. Uh, that verse there in, in, uh, in Philippians talks about thanking. Uh, uh, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. So if, if praise is recognizing who God is, then thanksgiving is remembering what he has done. And both are involved in, in praising him. If we walk through the doors of praise and thanksgiving, it gives a whole new approach to what we ask for and how we ask. The R there is for repentance, and as we come to God, there must be time for true honesty and transparency. It would be great to get into the habit of, uh, of praying on a regular basis, those, those words from Psalm 139, verses 23 and 24. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. In, in doing something like that, we pause long enough to consider that there just might be an offensive way in us right now. And we need to get things squared away with God before we ever go say, hey, do this for me. Hey, I need this. Uh, make this happen. It sets the stage for, for that why, yielding to God and yielding to his will. We humbly submit to him, to his direction, to, to recognizing that, that no matter what the answer, we want God's will and not our own. And so there's a yielding. And in that context is where we can ask for things. That's the setting where we specifically and strategically ask for God's intervention in our lives and in the world. So just one, one way. There's, there's a hundred, you can probably Google it and find a, a bunch more that are even better. But uh, uh, thinking strategically or, or at least around some, rather than just going and saying, uh, just shooting up a prayer and, and that be the only way that we pray. So, so then as we, as we ask, what specifically do we, do we pray for? Well, the first one here is, is obvious probably. We pray for the needs in our lives. Philippians 4, again, tells us there, present your request to God. Ephesians 6, 18 says, pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. Matthew 7, 11 says, if you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? We have needs, we have requests, we, we need to ask, and God wants us to ask him so that, so that he can... Uh, build that relationship and help us in our time. of We need to ask. James even says in James 4, 2, you do not have because you do not ask God. There are things that God is waiting for us to ask for, blessings that he wants to pour out, and, and we need to ask. We need to pray for the needs in our lives. We also need to pray according to Scripture. Someone once said, if I am praying God's word, then I'm praying God's will. Good stuff. 
Scripture and prayer go hand in hand. It's the primary scripture, the, the Bible, is the primary way that we hear God's voice in our lives in this conversation we call prayer. Because see, prayer can turn into, uh, into this speech that we give to God a whole lot of the time, right? We pray, we check off our list, we go down the list, okay, thanks, amen, and we're on, and we don't ever pause and listen. Now, maybe in listening we can get kind of skewed or sidetracked and maybe, oh, maybe God is telling me this. So it always has to come back to Scripture. What is God saying specifically through his word? And God will never put something in your mind to do that goes against his, uh, his policies, his, his, his word uh, in, in the Bible. It won't contradict scripture. You need to always be spending time reading and studying God's word. And, and scripture can actually guide us as we pray. We can, we can actually pray the words of Scripture for ourselves. The Psalms are a, a great place to start in this. Uh, it's, it's a book of prayers, 150 of them. Uh, they, they were sung and prayed thousands of years ago, and, and yet the issues are still relevant today. So, so, so look, not all of them work as, as good as others, but as, we, as you open those up and you, you, you look and see uh, what, uh, what, what has been, uh, been prayed in the Psalms, pray that for yourself. Psalm 91 is a great place. It starts out, whoever dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. Hey, so how do we do that? How do we pray through? Well, you just come to that verse and you say, Lord, I, I want to dwell in the, in the shadow of your wings. I want to rest in you. And there's all this stuff and all this anxiety and all these things. Lord, I'm worried about this. I'm worried about, but, but I want to rest in you. I want to dwell in your shelter. You, I, you are my refuge. You are my fortress. I trust you. And it goes on from there. And, and you can use those words to help organize and, and think through your prayers that you maybe would never come up with on your own. Other great passages, uh, some of Paul's prayers in his letters to the churches where he, where he uh, uh, traveled. Ephesians 1, Ephesians 3, Colossians 1. Uh, pray the Lord's Prayer. It, certainly verbatim is, is great, but, but also bringing it, personalizing it. Don't just pray, give us this day our daily bread, but Lord, give us what we need and start listing those things. Personalize it. You will not go wrong praying the Word of God. It will enrich your prayer life. So we need to pray for the needs in our lives. We need to pray according to Scripture. Uh, pray for the people in your life. And you're probably, again, already doing that. You pray for the needs of those close to you, your family, your friends, your church family. You pray differently. I think it's, it's worth noting. We'll pray differently for those who already know Christ than for those who don't. Pray differently for, for people who, who, are, who are already have a relationship with God than we pray for those who don't have a relationship. So for believers, for those that already have a relationship with God, certainly we pray for physical needs. Uh, we pray for spiritual strength. Uh, Paul prayed again in Ephesians and Colossians. Philippians 1 is a great place where Paul is, is, uh, is talking to this church in Philippi. He says, in all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you We'll carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Uh, pray for, for, for spiritual strength. Pray for, uh, for, for the ministry of the people that, that, that we know that, that, that know God's, God's, uh, have a relationship with God. Because as they, uh, as they have a relationship with God, He's going to be flowing through them and using them in, in others' lives. And so we want to pray for, for, for how God is going to flow through them in ministry. Colossians 4, uh, Paul asks for this. He says, pray for us too. 
that God may open a door for our message so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. Paul knew that if he didn't have the Holy Spirit's direction through, through his ministry, it would fall flat. And so he begged for prayers from the people of God. And, and perhaps we stop there. Perhaps we pray for the, the surfacey things. Perhaps we pray for those that are closest to us. But uh, I, think, I think we all need, myself included, I think we all need this burden for those who don't yet have a relationship with God. I get caught up in in my world and and in my stuff, and I lose sight of the the main reasons that I, that I'm in this world to bring the light of Jesus to people who need Him most. And it starts with prayer. Paul had a longing for that, so he, he prayed for it. Romans ten one, brothers and sisters, my heart's desire and prayer to God for the Israelites is that they may be saved. What does that look like? A prayer for 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 folks who don't yet know Christ, for non believers. We pray for the messengers. Jesus in Matthew nine uh, said to his disciples, "The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. So ask the Lord of the harvest to send workers into his harvest." We're praying for those workers. We're praying for God to send workers, send people, build relationships with those who don't yet know Him. Uh, Jesus specifically told his disciples to pray for those people. Pray for the people who cross paths with, with non-believers. And, and included in that, as you pray that prayer, I think you'll find, as I have found, that, that, that many times uh, I am, I'm, end up praying for myself because I become the messenger and God opens up opportunities uh, to, to be part of that harvest. Pray for the messengers. Pray for the burden. Again, uh, Matthew nine thirty six. when Jesus saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were, were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. I, I have to admit that there are times I don't even see the crowds. Or if I do see the crowds, or if I do see people who, who, uh, who are maybe not like me or, or are doing things that I wouldn't necessarily do, then, then, uh, then maybe instead of having compassion, I have judgment. And it's real easy to complain and to cast blame. Having compassion doesn't come naturally. Pray for the same burden that Jesus carried, the same burden that the Apostle Paul had, that driving passion to see those who are lost to be found, to see people come to a relationship with you. It's, it's a scary thing. We don't always know what to say or how to say it, so we pray for the burden that God will open those, those things for us. Another thing we need to pray is for the ineffectiveness of the enemy. 2 Corinthians 4.4 4 says, The God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ who is, in, who is the image of God. We need to pray that the God of this age, the devil, will be ineffective in blinding unbelievers. We need to pray that as they hear God reaching out to them that the devil's schemes will have no power. And they can hear him and can respond to the love of God. Pray for the ineffectiveness of the enemy. And then as they hear the, 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 the voice of God in their lives, maybe they don't even recognize it yet, but pray for brokenness and repentance. Second Timothy 2, opponents must be gently instructed in the hope that God will grant them repentance, leading them to a knowledge of the truth, and that they will come to their senses and escape from the trap of the devil who has taken them captive to do his will. As we pray, the devil's traps are loose, people realize their need for God and the enormity of their sin, and so we pray for a broken spirit, for openness, for a spirit of humility that confesses a need for God. And then I think we also need to pray for opportunities. 
we read passage there uh, in Colossians 4 a minute ago. Pray for us too that God may open a door for the message. We're praying for open doors. Uh, we pray for opportunities to, uh, to speak life and love to people who don't yet know the, uh, the, the freedom that comes in Jesus. And so we pray for open doors. Now, I'm convinced that those open doors are there. We're just not seeing them a lot of the time. But as we're regularly praying for that burden, we're praying for those opportunities, we'll begin to see those open doors and we can walk through them. There's a, a pastor and evangelist, uh, Tony Campolo, who told a story uh, about a time when he was asked to speak at uh, a college chapel. Before the service, eight men gathered around him and had him kneel down, and they all put their hand on his head. If you know, uh, if you've heard of Tony Campolo, you know that he has a, a ra- rather bright head. Um, uh, he's uh, he's He's, he's a bald guy, and they, they're just laying hands on him, and he says they were just kind of, they kept praying, and all eight of them prayed, one in turn, and, uh, and, and they just kept pushing harder and harder down on his head and praying for him. And it was getting long, and uh, it wasn't necessarily part of his tradition to do that, but he was gracious and allowed them to. He says uh, that, that, that one of the men, the last one to pray, actually seemed to stray from even the, uh, the events of the hour and began to, to, to pray about other things. And, and he said, dear Lord, you know, he's, he's praying, he's got his hand on Tony's head, but he says, dear Lord, you know Charlie Stoltzfus. He lives in the silver trailer down the road a mile. You know the trailer, Lord, just down the road on the right-hand side. And Tony Campolo wanted to interrupt him and tell him that God already knew where the guy lived, and he didn't need directions, but uh, he, just, he just continued to, uh, to kneel and, and, and uh, participate in the prayer. Uh, the prayer went on, Lord, Charlie told me this morning he was going to leave his wife and three kids. Lord, step in and do something, God. Bring that family back together. With that, the, the prayer time ended. The hands came up. Tony got up uh, and uh, went out and, and spoke in chapel, and everything went well. He got in his car later, and was driving uh, down the road, got onto the Pennsylvania Turnpike, saw a hitchhiker, and decided, felt compelled to go pick him up. This is how Tony uh, uh, tells it. He says, we drove a few minutes, and I said, hi, my name's Tony Campolo, what's yours? And he said, my name's Charlie Stoltzfus. <laughs> I couldn't believe it. I got off the turnpike at the next exit and headed back. He got a bit uneasy with that, and after a few minutes, he said, Hey, mister, where are you taking me? And he said, I'm taking you home. He narrowed his eyes and asked, Why? And I said, Because you just left your wife and three kids, right? That blew him away. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, that's right. And with shock written all over his face, he plastered himself against the car door and never took his eyes off me. Then I really did him in as I drove right to his silver trailer. When I pulled up, his eyes seemed to bulge as he asked, how did you know that I lived here? And I said, God told me, because I believe God did tell me. When he opened the trailer door, his wife exclaimed, you're back, you're back. And he whispered in her ear, and the more he talked, the bigger her eyes got. And I said with real, real authority, the two of you sit down. I'm going to talk to you, and you're going to listen. And they sat, <laughs> and they listened. And that afternoon, Tony Campolo led two young people to Jesus Christ. I'm not sure that it's always going to happen that way. But things happen when we pray, when we get specific and strategic about prayer. There's so much to, uh, to, to learn about prayer. We've only scratched the surface. What, five weeks we spent uh, on prayer. And you might think, well, that's crazy. That's, that's so much. And there's so much more. 
Again, there's a table out there with, uh, with a lot of different resources on it, things to pray and how to pray. There's a list of things to pray for the church and a uh, list that gets updated every week of things to pray for the, the, the missionaries and the, uh, on, the, on the mission field. And there, there are ways, uh, things to pray for our children and uh, just a whole host of things. So I hope that, uh, that you'll grab some of that. Not, not to overwhelm you, but simply to help you. There's a card there that I hope you've, many of you have been using uh, uh, about things to pray specifically for next Sunday morning as we anticipate uh, a full to overflowing room here and uh, many folks who perhaps don't yet know Christ. We want to pray specifically for those things. So if you don't have one of those yet, I'd encourage you to grab that as well. I can't stress the importance enough of being people of prayer. Not so that we can get a bunch of stuff from God, but so that we can draw near to Him. I guess my prayer for you is that you would bathe your world in prayer. That you would be in constant communication with God and that praying would be as natural as breathing. We have a a hotline to heaven, so to speak, and we need to not ignore it. We need to use it. Stay connected. 